I'm Gwen Jones, and welcome to this week's episode of the I'm a Rotarian podcast, the weekly podcast where I introduce you to amazing people that proudly call themselves Rotarians. Well, this week, Jordan Harrison is my guest, my guest by popular demand. It seems it started off just with Brittany Arthur saying, you've got to meet Jordan. And then before I knew it, a bunch of other people jumped on the bandwagon. So, Jordan, you're my guest today. So sit back, won't you? Jordan Harrison and the future of Rotary is my guest on the I'm Rotarian podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Anything for me? Let's do this. Let's do this. All right. All right. So I'm going to count you in. We're going to do a five, four, three, two, one. I'll just call you Jordan Harrison because that seems to be easy. And uh, we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk Rotary. Sounds like a plan. Let's do it. Okay. Here we go. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Remember a few weeks ago, I had Brittany Arthur on, and she had a lot of fun, and I had a lot of fun. It was the battle of the podcasters. But as soon as I got rid. Uh, of Brittany and she was back on her way traveling around the world. She started sending me a list of these people you have to have on your podcast. Oh my God, you have to have these people on your podcast. And the first name on that list is today's guest, my brand new friend, Jordan Harrison from San Diego, California. Brittany speaks so highly of you. I hope I'm nervous. I hope you're not nervous. Uh, Jordan, Thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm so happy to meet you. Glad to be here and glad to meet you as well. Yay. So I, I like I said, Brit, you have a fan in Brittany. So I, I am, I'm pretty excited to become a member of your fan club. But uh, as, as I do with all my guests, I stalked you. Uh, at least yeah. I'm open about it. So there won't be any criminal charges. Um, <laughs> but you are a very busy, active member of the San Diego Rotary Group. And so you so you can say it before I do. T. Jordan, how many members are in your Rotary Group? Get it no, out of Gwen. the way. <laughs> the question, in case folks are wondering, we are the fourth largest club having over 500 members. I don't know the exact number, but it's over 500, 500 members. So we're a fairly bigger club to my understanding. Part of me, see, you've got me so excited. The corgis are in the background barking. But- <laughs> That what's what's funny with that is that 500 people and thank you. Thank you there, Monty. 500 people. Are, I guess it's kind of weird to ask, but are you a close club? I mean, how do you have 500 people in a rotary club and actually get to know anybody in there? Yeah. You know, it's, you know, sometimes it feels like every meeting could almost feel like a district conference uh, for I, some because it's, it's yeah. quite a banquet hall. We have different table seatings. We have over 60 different committees that are working on different things. So there's ways to build some of those relationships, whether through the lunch meeting or just through the service projects that there's so many to do at the club. Oh, okay. So we're so today's podcast is brought to you by both Ying and Yang because I have 40 <laughs> people. I have 40 people. So for so we are one tenth of your mightiness, but uh yeah. But thank you for, uh, you know, fitting us in. I think I think my club is about the size of your committees. So probably, yeah. (laughs) So let's do those fun questions, because I'm sure everybody really wants to know more about you than just the size of your club, which, you know, just sounds like that's just a lot of that's a lot of effing people, my friend. Here we go. So. You know, what was your earliest recollection of Rotary? So here's the here's the number one question. We start everything off. How did you get into Rotary? Yeah, I, in college at San Diego State, I had a friend named Bobby Marsh, and he brought me into the Rotary fold, just showed me at college. It was this great organization where the top student leaders were involved. I came in, and it felt like a, a party of folks that cared about service. And I was like, I could like these type of people. And since then, I just have enjoyed the, the community and the folks I can meet along the way. Is that funny? I think you were the very first person to say that you you joined from a college group. I, I yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just knew I went to UCLA, so I just knew San Diego was the party school, not necessarily uh, yeah. the rotary school. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah our, club, our club was huge. We had like 120 members. We had a whole application process. And our club took it very, very seriously. Like one of the questions, they were trying to intimidate you. I don't know if I can say this, but whatever. They were trying to intimidate <laughs> you in like the interview. So like one of my questions that I got asked in the interview was, 
if you were a pencil in a blender, how would you get out? And they would look at you very seriously and need like an answer. And so it's just, it was this very like intense interview process because the road wow. Diego State, it's the club. Oh my God. Okay. If I was a pencil in a blender, yes. what would I say? How would you get out? Oh, how would I get out? Yes. Uh, wow. Um, uh, probably the pointy end first. I don't know. I don't even know how to answer that. Yeah. I don't even. Uh, okay. Well, you obviously answered it correctly because you made it through. But even after that question, what made you want to join Rotary? They just. The, the relationships. Uh, yeah. The meaningful service projects. Um, one of the ones that. I love that we were doing, we were doing feeding the homeless out here in San Diego. We had people love to drink. It was a good time just to catch up. Like I said, San Diego is known as the parties. No, was, no offense, my time. friend. It was a good time. <laughs> where, you know, there were some good service projects and they came after great nights, night befores, but it was a good time. It was a good time. So you're so this so the San Diego State Rotary Club drink some serve more is that like the yes, new yes, motto the, okay yes, okay the, yes the road the rotaract club sometimes we would say this saying of cerveza cervezas above self where sometimes cervezas we, above self oh my yes. god well i mean if for, for i mean i know i know there are listeners all over the world that listen to this but you might want to check out san diego at least once in your lifetime like i've said on other podcasts i was born in la jolla which is right outside of san diego and it is truly a magnificent place to go visit is anybody else in rotary in your family no no um not that nope not that I know of. It's interestingly enough, my grandfather wanted to join Rotary, but wasn't allowed to. And so before he passed, he was like, I'm glad you're in there. And I was like, cool. Wow. He wasn't allowed to, you know, I, and, and we'll, we'll get to that part of Rotary. Um, but what's, in, what's interesting about Rotary is we just talked to uh, the president of Johannesburg, South Africa. And her Rotary group was one of the first Rotary groups to, and I'll use air quotes, which is so good on on audio. They were the first to let the Blacks in. And that was, you know, under apartheid, that's what they were called. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they got in a lot of hot water for inviting the, quote, Blacks into their Rotary group. So I'm, I'm sorry that your grandpa didn't get to join, but I'm, you know. Yay, you're a yeah. part of it. Now it can change it. Yeah, there you go. So you were a rotor actor and now you're a full Rotarian? Yes, ma'am, in San Diego Rotary. In San Diego Rotary. And I and I shouldn't even say you're a rotor actor and now you're a full Rotarian, because I know I've I've interviewed enough rotor actors that that kind of pisses them off. So it does. It does to me. I'm like so sorry, all my okay. rotor actors okay. that are listening. <laughs> so then you've been a you've you're a Rotarian, mm-hmm. you're full-fledged, Cervezas over service, or wait a minute, no, <laughs> I screwed that one up, not Cervezas <laughs> over service, but how long have you been a Rotarian? Uh, three years now, going on to my third year, and my club started this new program that allowed me to actually join, uh, you know, I'm a little bit on the younger side for folks that don't, I can't tell, so. Yes, we'll we'll take a picture that's, yeah. that's <laughs> There's one that's clearly older on the screen, but that's okay. <laughs> and um, they, they started a Young Professionals, a Yelpro program, where 20% of, or I think either 10 or 20% of our club could be young professionals under the age of 39 that are kind of budding into their career, really doing great work in the community. And um, I was able to join under that program with, with some colleagues from San Diego State. So does that, does that help you with dues or is it yes. just like, okay. Yep. Okay. So we get, we get so is it... reduced reduce price on our dues, reduced price on our uh, yearly contribution, and not the same meeting expectation. So it's like once a month or one a quarter that we're expected to attend. Oh, okay. So there isn't, so there isn't, I mean, my particular group, we don't do attendance. So you don't have to, so this particular method means if you can make it every week, go ahead, or mm-hmm. if, um, okay. Yeah, like so, for, no one's, so no one's keeping track per se. Oh no, we are. We definitely are. But okay. they, just, they just they expect us to make like just one just one a month, at least. So then it would lead to: Do you still have the same when you were in that program? Were you still a voting member? Could you still had a committee? Could you still so you still had the rights yep. that any other given member has? Yep. Well, 
that's intriguing because I know, especially right now, I think that's the call of most Rotary groups. It's like, how do we get younger people in? How do we get younger people in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's worked, so, it's worked phenomenally. And we brought in some really great younger folks. Uh, we do meet Thursday at lunchtime. So sometimes that is a little bit challenging for some folks to make, but the, the club's been pretty welcoming in, in this new initiative. I like it. Well, obviously, it's working with 400 plus members as we You're right. yeah. 500, we 500, Quinn, 500. I'm sorry, 500. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> My bad. Again. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that I think that'd be a little bit too massive on my little island. So you've only been in for three years. Yeah. Um, but there has to be some some moments. And, and this is a question I just love. There has to be an inspirational moment that even when you think about puts a smile on your face. So in your in your young Rotarian life, what's what's been one of the more inspirational moments? What's been something that you still think about today and just go, yeah, that was that was seriously cool. That's why I'm a Rotarian. You know, I, I, I just finished up this past week uh, a camp that we host called Camp Enterprise, where we bring together around 70 or 80 high school juniors, and they do a oh, okay. three-day camp about how to start a business. So they're developing a marketing plan, they're developing a product, they're developing a strategy. We have guest speakers. And uh, when I was running it, it's usually like we take them out and we do it for three days. We did it all virtually this year. Right, that, right. One of the students told me, she was like, I never thought I could run a business or do something on my own. And now this gives me the confidence to believe that I can. And I just think about like the power of service, the power of just time and a well-orchestrated event. And it was so many Rotarians. It was probably about 20 or 30 of us that came together to, to, to do this weekend with these students. And the responses I got from the students, they were just like, I can own a business. I can start my own company. I want to be a CEO. It was just exciting to see young folks dream. That's beyond awesome. What they thought. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so were there, were there mentors there? I mean, so did other Rotarians say from your group, say I'm this, I, I, I started this business or I started. So was this, is a mentorship as well as a business exercise? Yeah, is- very, very much so. And it's over three days. So you get to develop really deep relationships with the students as well. That's awesome. And does it cost something for the students? No cost to the students. No cost to the students. That's awesome. And have you, have you followed up with any of these Guys, because junior in high school, so they're on their own, you know, within just a few months. Have any of these businesses come to fruition? Yeah, I remember two years ago, um, I had met with a student who I had worked with on a camp enterprise project, and he's in college now. And his whole idea it was it was it was basic, but it was like a little twinge. You want to start like this t-shirt marketing business, and we were like, you know, there's a lot of t-shirt businesses out there. Yeah, really, I think everybody has like, a few t-shirts in their closet. Just yeah, a few. seriously, right. but. He built this phenomenal brand that he now has and owns. He's a sophomore in college out here at San Diego State and just loves it. And so I think I just just seeing him even dream and bring it to fruition. He's selling stuff on campus. I'll have to find his website and send it to you. And because I, I, I think it's great. Yeah. That is so cool. I mean, it's and it's and I have to say it's it's different. And I and yeah. I and and when I ask this question, it's not that there is no right or wrong answer because it's everybody's personal opinion of what's been inspiring. But I have to say that this is the first real business inspiration that we have. And if you go way back to Paul Harris, this was originally a business club and it's kind of faded away from the business side of things and moved into more of the service. But this is kind of a twofer because you're still doing the service. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing that I love in the most about this as well is we also tell students there has to be a social impact part of your business. So either you're wow. giving back or you're certain your proceeds are going to a nonprofit. So just as much work as we're asking them to put into thinking about a business, we're asking them to put into how are you thinking about giving back and being part of the larger society in a meaningful way. And their whole business has to go through the Rotary four-way test to make sure that it is a, a, a good business that's going to make a positive impact. Wow. Wow. That is just like a totally cool. Uh, wow. If, if all business could go that way, right, right. that'd be right. You know, <laughs> I mean, hey, boy, that'd be fun. Yep. And is it, is it, um, so we know these are juniors, but do you separate it like 50, 50 boys and girls, or do you have, it's, is it these guys just truly just sign up? Like, yep. 
They sign, sign up. up. Uh, they just sign up. There are small groups and small teams of about five to seven students from students across across the county. So they're coming from different schools. They don't even know each other. But from day zero to day three, they go from not knowing anything about business, not much about each other, to by day three, having a full business plan. And I'm talking, we're talking profit and loss, cost of goods, souls, Excel spreadsheets, the whole nine yards. And they're producing it and then and pitching it to um, actual investors that we have as guest judges that do um, that are venture capitalists. Well, that was going to be my next. That was going to be my next question. Is that you know these are great ideas and these are young people and I'm assuming by junior when you get into senior they're pretty close to 18. So in the yep. business world they are considered adults. I was going to yep. say, do you have some investors there? Yep. The guest judges are all venture capitalists or investors that are actually giving them students honest feedback and letting them know how much or if they would even invest as well. Wow. Well, keep us to date on that if the next, you know, Bloomberg or whatever, you know, (laughs) joins joins out to be. And then, well, and I guess I guess it adds to that. Is it do any of them? consider Rotary or Rotaract or Interact yep. afterwards. And, and that's the beauty of it too. It's also a point for us to bring in students that might not have ever even heard about Interact or Rotaract or Rotary in general. To right. Come, like, here's what it is. Here's what we do. And we don't just want to support you to those moments. I've, I've known so many Rotarians that keep relationships with these students years after just to see how they're doing, how they're supporting. And a lot of them are actually interested. Okay, how do I join this? And they start asking at least the questions of how they can actually take part uh, in Rotaract or Rotary as well. Right. Like you guys just spent three days doing what with yeah. whom? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Well, I want to, I want to change topics just a little okay. bit. Um, and, and we were joking about this before we went, before we went live and started recording about this organization called Sob. And we're going to, yeah. we'll just punch on it for a little bit and then move you over to what you're actually doing now, which is the, the reality changes. But we had a big joke because I have collected sobs forever. I am a huge sob fan, but that is the Swedish automotive automobile spelled the same way. Um, I've driven them for forever. And so when I looked up sob, I was like, okay, tell me what sob is because obviously it is not, well, it still is, it is <laughs> a Swedish car company. I mean, excuse me. And, you know, yeah. but just because uh, they're not around much anymore. What is Saab that's alive and well? Yes. Saab. <laughs> Saab that's alive and well. It stands for Student African-American Brotherhood. Uh, nice. We also go by the name Brother to Brother, but it is a program for high school, college age uh, folks, primarily men of color to help them pursue their academic dreams and their academic endeavors. And so we give them emotional support, mentorship, financial classes, you name it, kind of we're supporting them. And this is a national organization. So there's chapters all across the country um, supporting primarily young black men in their educational academic pursuits. So is this working with, um, should I say, it, is does this work with um, men of color that are not in, let's say like, pre- traditionally black colleges like Morgan state or any of those kind of things. It's, it's, it's working college. with all, all, all colleges. Yep. Yep. So even at my university at San Diego state, we have a chapter. And so that, I think that's the beauty of the reach where you can have this community at historically black colleges and non historically black colleges as well. So it's a, it's a great tool and a great community of folks being able to get together and really build lives, talk about dreams and, and go from there. And it is it is it something that has been around for a long time? I mean, yeah, I, yeah. we just we just celebrated thirty years of okay. being around this past week. So, excuse my naivete, but as one, a person not of color, and two, not a man, um, I is not I've not been aware of your club. Yeah. <laughs> I want them to say, you know, but the whole idea that it is a support mechanism, I think, is something that is is. I think really important. I think, I think men need more support than men sometimes allow themselves to realize, you know what I mean? (laughs) Very, very much so. I think, and I think that's part of the space to destigmatize. What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to have emotions, to talk about them, to feel about them, to, Mm -hmm. to act, to have a space where you don't, it's okay for everything not to be okay. And folks aren't going to judge you for it. Cause I think particularly as, as men in a society where manliness looks like, strength and looks like you don't make a mistake and you don't cry. What does it mean to know that 
those emotions are still real and how do we tap into those and, and have support mechanisms for that as well. That's awesome. But now you've changed, you, you've changed uh, avenues, I yeah. guess is a good way to do it. I mean, you're still, you still respect and love sob. You're, you're still so. a part of it, I assume. Yeah. Very much so. But you have changed avenues and you're speaking more uh, about reality uh, changes. Tell me yes. a little bit about that one. Yeah. So that's a nonprofit I run here in San Diego. I'm, I'm vice president of community impact and partnerships, working with first gen low income students between the eighth grade all the way through college at graduation. Our students come in with below a 2.0, all wow. first their family to go to college. Um, you name it, they're probably dealing with it. Um, and we support them and 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 help them on their way to college success. So very similar to Saab, but my, now that the reach is a little bit younger, eighth grade and on, and the primary focus is for first gen uh, college going students. So this is so this is so you're saying no one else in their family has gone to college, kind of yep. thing. Okay. Yeah, the average the average educational level for the families is about an eighth grade level. Wow. Yeah. And so how is this supported? I mean, this can't be something that's that's free. I mean, yeah. I, it, it, you know, I mean, who do you work with to get these students first find the students and then second of all, do this great program? Yeah. So we have a, a lot of individual and corporate donations that support us in doing the work. We partner with a lot of the local middle schools and high schools. Um, and we have a dedicated staff that makes it happen because there's, there's no cost to our students. So we don't pass on any cost to our students. We uh, run the whole nonprofit uh, through donations and grants and really are dedicated to supporting our students now, especially now more than ever with the distance learning and COVID right. and different things. It's, it's been it's been quite a year. And actually quite of my students have gone through Camp Enterprise through San Diego Rotary. And it's just been mind blowing for them to have that opportunity and to really think about how they can have social progress in a world where they might not have uh, seen much or, or be the first in their family going to college. So you seem to be this, I assume you're an entrepreneur. I'm just yes, assuming, I was going to say, because I was like, um, I, I feel that you are not working for anybody but yourself. It's just, this is just the way, this is a feeling. I'll just, yeah. just call it a feeling. And so it sounds like your, your goal in life is to bring up the next generation of entrepreneurs? Is that? Yeah, I would say entrepreneurs and just civically minded folks. Like what does it mean to be successfully engaged in society? How do we build folks that are socially conscious that are want to have their own economic freedom? And how do we remove the barriers, whether systemic or personal that might be holding them back? So are, are you going for a certain channel? I mean, and in, in, let me explain that a little bit. Like, are you, are you looking at traditionally black owned businesses is that kind of an avenue you're going for or is it a a open and receptive to just entrepreneurism in general i mean does it have a yeah i think particularly i'm always focused on underserved communities or underrepresented okay. communities okay and how we can make sure that uh companies businesses individuals that have systemically been overlooked can be supported to get to where. So traditionally, they, so traditionally, businesses of color, you're correct. you're trying to really support and get up there. So you have a large, obviously, uh, Latinx community in the yep. San Diego area. You of course have uh, people of color. You also have, and and I think it's really important to say that people of color doesn't necessarily mean from the African continent. Right. You've got the Dominican Republic. You've got right. all these different areas, and and San Diego is such a huge melting pot. Yep in that area. So I don't think it's, it's naive to say that your, your business is, is your entrepreneurism that you're trying to get in there is to try and get some of these under appreciated businesses, the little extra push. Does that sound about right? So yeah. And just the strategy and skills to grow with how they can do well for what they're thinking of and doing. So camp enterprise for everyone, you know? Right. So I was just going to say, so it's still, so it's still going to have that giving back philosophy through the whole thing. Yes. Okay. Which is, which is awesome. I do like that. I think, um, I think one of the most interesting uh, uh, conversations I ever heard was uh, with a gentleman who was trying to do entrepreneurism by yourself. And he remembers when he was a young man walking through Harlem that he would walk through all of these other black owned businesses 
you know, so there was the barbershop and there was a bookstore and there was a grocery store and there was a bodega and there was this and this and this and this. And so you knew Mrs. Johnson, Mr. Smith, Mr. Da Da Da, Mr. Sutton, who all owned those businesses. And by the time his kids walked through those same streets, they were not there anymore. There was not any, you know, the the traditional Sesame Street that I grew up with on PBS every morning, yeah. that didn't exist. And so it's it's fascinating that people like yourself are trying to like bring that back. Is that a, is that a fair statement? Yeah, bring it back. And, and I think, like you said, I think the biggest thing is like, how do we sustain the companies that have started? Uh, when we look at the rate of primarily like minority owned businesses and their life cycles, how do we make sure that they can be sustained and relevant for years and generations to come? Um, so that we can have generational wealth that can be passed on. I think one of the cities that is really kind of grasping onto this is the city of Atlanta, mm-hmm. very much so. And I think mm-hmm. um, I'd be interested in knowing if they have such a program that they almost look at um, traditionally um, people of color businesses and their traditions behind them, be it the mm-hmm. classic barbershop or the coffee shop or the different yeah. things that there is. That's It's a business, but yeah. it's also, you know, a central location to things that have happened throughout history, literally throughout history. Um, I know in the LBGTQ community, you know, people just thought nightclubs were nightclubs, but nightclubs, especially after hours or before hours or bookstores after hours, before hours were whole kinds of stuff went on, you know? So yeah. So interesting, interesting way to go, dude. Appreciate Excited. So and I and like I said, I think I think Paul Harris is is smiling down on you because it's kind of kind of what he started. You yeah. know, it's like yeah. let's get all these business people together to make businesses. So very cool. So let's get to one of the most uh, uh, one of the questions we always ask, and it's one that everybody really likes, and that is about our four way test. Yes. Right. We've got these guiding principles of the four way test. What does the four way test mean to you? <clears throat> And how do you bring it into your life? Oh, that is a good question. Don't think I was ready for that one. Um, I, like you said, I think we talked about this earlier. If if it was actually used in so many different scenarios, I think we would have a much better world. Um, like if we really looked at, but I, but I also sit with the challenging times that we're in now where it feels like even answering that first question can feel so hard. Like what is the truth? I don't want to get like, you know, too philosophical on here, but I think it's interesting because I think we're sitting in a time now where it feels like coming to terms with what the truth is, is almost the hardest question it can feel like to answer in a variety of different ways. And so for me, I think it's really being clear on like, how do we understand the truths and the multiplicities that might come from it? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, I think it's also that last question is one of my favorite. Um, How will it build goodwill and better friendships? And Mm -hmm. I think those two components are something that I'm grounded in in every aspect of my life, from how I build relationships, from how I follow up with folks, for how I maintain relationships. I, 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 I'm of the opinion where there's an abundance mentality, that there's enough for us all to go around. And yeah. that if we could really operate like that and not as much from like this scarcity, I need to only look out for me, this very rigid individualism, we could build a world that would answer those four questions in a more realistic way. I, I I couldn't agree more. I also, um, a mutual friend of ours, uh, Nadine Pemberton was on the show not too long ago when we talked about race. And when she talked about, is it the truth? She talked about, well, what is my truth? Mm-hmm. Maybe totally different than your truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And is, is, and, and I brought up that I will never know. I know the truth of the personal lifestyle that I have chosen is somehow off to some people, but I will never know what it is like to be a person of color. I am about as white as white as white can be. And I can walk down the street and people may not know my personal lifestyle, but you cannot walk down the street and say, and oh, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm black. Do you know what I mean? It's like, you can't turn that. So what truth for you, can a truth for you be totally different than a truth for me just right off the bat? When it comes to the four-way test? I think so. Yeah. Well, that's a whole philosophical conversation that's, right there for another podcast. And, 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 you know, I think that's that's a, that's a real whole philosophical conversation because I think part of that comes from a, like what, what are truths and how are truths developed from what we're taught, from what we see, from what we experience. 
And I think that to your friend of Nadine, who I think is great, I think sometimes that's some of the reasons why a conversation like racism is real might be so hard for some folks to hold because it might not be a truth that they've ever experienced or saw from themselves. Right. And, and it's taken time for me to hear from other folks. Like, I'll tell you a truth of mine that I've held because I do a lot of speaking for Rotary at like district conferences or different things on some DEI concepts. Probably a, at least 85% of the time of the conferences that I've spoken at, at least one time between the place of me going from the table I'm sitting at to the bathroom and back, a Rotarian has asked me to clear their plate. Um, without, without, ah. without, without flaw. Uh, and it's, and it's interesting because then afterwards when they see me go up and speaking, they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't know you weren't like the support staff. And that's, that's the truth that I operated. I think I operated a truth that Rotary is typically older and white and I'm young and black and people might presume this isn't a place for him to be. And he, he looks more like the support staff. And I think those are truths that other people don't even have to interrogate or think about and that's a truth that is a truth for me that someone might not even see as like, what? What is that? You know? Wow. Well, that kind of, it, it, it takes a lot to shut me up. But yeah, that that's sad that that would you, you know, I, I know that you are, uh, what I find very amazing is that I've had the opportunity now to talk with some amazing people like the, the club of, of uh, uh, clubs in in Malawi and St. Martin and and it's amazing to me how little they talk about race how mm-hmm. little it's even approached how and I don't think it's because there is a majority people there of color but there is the the hierarchy is not there as much mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the whole idea that you're thought of as the support staff. I, it, it always kind of, you know, kind of floors me. I have, yeah. I have to say. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. That, thank you everybody for putting a downer on the, on the whole podcast, but it's true. And I think we should be aware of it. I mean, well, what did you think of the the statement that came out last year from Rotary? I've had two, two or three opinions about this. There was a statement that was put out by Rotary international after we had the, awful circumstances with the officer who is now on, on trial for murder. Um, And we officially put out Rotary international put out a very, I felt rather clinical statement that said, yes, we like everybody. Everybody deserves rights. Um, What did you think of it? Did you see it? See, I'm gonna miss you on that one. I just, I thought you were gonna talk about the DEI statement that just came out in February. I was going to, that was, that was number two. I'm asking about the, the, did you see the one from last year? I, I didn't see, I didn't see okay, that. Okay, well, one that's your homework. Okay, I'll, I'll do my homework. I'll do my homework. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Here, here's my thought on that. And I, I don't even have to look at it. The amount of statements that lacked action or institutional addressing things is what was, I, I didn't care to see any more statements. I had helped companies draft some. I had companies ask me to look at it. was rather the fashionable thing to do. Right. It, summer it of 2020. It's, it's the expedient thing to do. Unless it was you have, the expedient <laughs> thing. That's right. If you're worried about your bottom line, you need to say something about the this. Stockholders so want to be happy. Yes. Exactly. No, I get you. Right. Exactly. And I think um, I'm, I'm glad to see that Rotary's continued that work in a statement in February because, like, for our club, we use that to really define how we're looking at our people, projects, and programs and how we're trying to be more thorough and how we're approaching DEI and the diversity of our club as well. So let's let's move on to that one because that was going to be the second part of the question was, and and for my listeners, did you all do your homework? Because this one just came out <laughs> yeah. um, about the diversity inclusion um, in Rotary. What did you think of that statement? I liked it. I feel like they named it. They, they okay. named some isms. They named some isms. I was like, interesting. That's... This is cool. And and I also appreciated um, them saying that this is not political. I, I think it's so interesting that there was a line in there that said, we don't think this is a political stance because I know Rotary is not a political organization. But when you look at some of the isms, racism, sexism, all the isms and obias you want to think about, I'm glad that they actually named them. Um, I, I definitely think that it's a learning process and there's definitely some more action that I would love to see from RI. But I think it was it was a start to at least put the language out there and to move folks from this is taboo to talk about to be like, 
these are some of the real issues that we're trying to address as an organization in the international club. Do you think that's a way that that we make mistakes when we move into diversity that that it's like, okay, here is now the that if you're going to be woke again, air quotes, if you're going to be woke here are now, the things you're never allowed to say again, or here's now the things, does that work? I mean, I know, I, I know for instance, that I, I collect um, uh, old cookbooks and I have from sunset magazine an oriental cookbook, which yeah. I think is fantastic. It is so bad, you know, but I was like, I would never call anybody that these days. Right. You know, I, of course the N word to me is just disgusting. And when it comes to homosexual men, I'm not exactly thrilled with the F word either, even though people in Britain thinks it's a cigarette, you know, I, (laughs) so it's, you know, is it just enough just to say you can't use these words anymore when we're talking diversity and and inclusion? Not at all. Not And and, and here's the thing. I think, I think too often, we, we want it to be a checklist. Like, let me have the yeah. six steps to being a good person. If I don't say <laughs> this, if I donate this, then I'm a great person. And here's the thing. I think this could really tie back into the Rotary four-way test. Like, does it build goodwill and better friendship? And I think when we think about DI in a four-way test, I think it would cause us to challenge our truths and challenge us to sometimes put ourselves into a learning stance or a listening stance. And, and, it, and it requires us to do work. And I know as a younger person, and a lot with with some of the Rotarians that I get to work with, you know, are 50, 60, 70, 80. They're like, yo, I'm setting my ways. And this is just how I talk. That is, I this heard is, that. This is what I do. Sure. And I'm like, I understand that. And I would just ask that you would just consider, right? And I think this is where I think about, is it the truth? And part of the harshest thing that we need to do in this work is challenge our own truths, to learn things, unlearn things. I'm still a work in progress. We're also a work in progress. Mm-hmm. But I think if we're looking for a checklist to be like, all right, we're now an equitable club we're not going to go anywhere and we're probably going to cause more harm than good. So, yeah. So we are, we are a, uh, yeah, we're a work in progress, I guess is the way to say it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, I, you know, there's a quote that I love that says we can be a masterpiece and a work in progress simultaneously. I think one of the things that's probably most fragile could be our own ego of ourselves where we want to seem like a good person, where we want to seem like we're perfect. And I think the idea is this, yes, we all are, great in a lot of ways. And there's areas that we all still are working on and improving in. But I think our collective shared humanity needs us to be able to reflect and celebrate simultaneously. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I also, so you're actually, if I remember you saying this right, starting a group about diversity and inclusion at your Rotary Club. Now I know you. We talked about that. Nadine is a friend, and these are those are people on the RI level. But what are you doing in your club, in your tiny little club? <laughs> <laughs> because I would have to say that has to be a club that's that must be expressing a lot of diversity and inclusion, and with you know five hundred people. Yeah, it's interesting. So what are you doing in your club? Well, you know, we're looking at we're looking at our three P's, our people, our projects, and our programs. And we're first like kind of assessing what is it that we need to do to make sure if a person that's not older white male walks into the building, can they feel included in this space? Like, how do we design inclusion? Because for us, diversity, I'm not here to tout numbers like we got 10 black people, five women, <laughs> Latinx folks, like look at this club. We're Picture perfect. Put us on RI's photo book for diversity. That's like, right. We, we meet all the criteria. Right. Like we're, we're really trying to look at like that belonging piece. Like, what does it mean? Can folks be aware of how maybe sexist jokes that might be geared towards some of our women identified women might be feeling or the slide comments that might feel like it's a boys club might impact some folks or how ageism is impacting it. So we're we're looking at and we have a team of about 20 folks, 20 Rotarians from our club that are on the three different committees that are looking at. How can we be more equitable in our projects? How can we be part of our community in a real way where we're not just going out and trying to say, we know best, we're going to save you all, but really looking at what does authentic partnership and dialogue look like? From our people, we're looking at what are the barriers either institutionally that we have put up. Like, for example, for our executive board, part of the voting process used to be how long have you been in the club? What's your attendance and how much have you donated? And that would be public information to see who you would vote for. Now that tells you right there, 
If you haven't right. been in the club long, if you don't have good attendance, or if you haven't, if you're not like a Paul Harris, and if fellow, you don't write checks, yeah, right. yeah, you're not. You're, so, so, so that's the things that we're trying to look at. Like, what are the values that we're signaling, and how some of our structures are set up, um, and how can we make sure that we're really inclusive and and having a club that's belonging to folks that are from different backgrounds. Well, then here's a question for you, and I and I'm, I'm sure I'm going to pass this on when I talk to some of the the diversity inclusion folks on the on the RI level is that I feel that we are such an age gap in 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 any given club and I'm sure in your club it is you said you're in your 30s I'm sure you've got some people that are could be 50 years older than you in the same club and they want to actively understand they actively do not have malicious intent but what if they just don't get it what if they don't understand the him, her, or I wish to be called them, or yeah. I wish to be, I mean, they, they are from a generation that Elvis Presley was Satan, yeah. you know, to some people. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah. so if we're going by what, what was crazy and ahead of its time for somebody who's now in their eighties mm-hmm. and now, you know, he can't call a woman, a woman, Mm-hmm. Or a man that he thinks is a man and now wants to be called a woman. I mean, it, and and this is only one small bit. You yourself said you had somebody that wanted, you know, to clear your plate for them. Um, what if it's not malicious? How are, how are we teaching people to be inclusion if it's not malicious? Yeah, and and I think one of the things that we're telling our members, and 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 part of it too, I think, is like how do we create an atmosphere of care? knowing that folks are going to be at different learning levels and possibly even, I think some of what you're alluding to is at a, at a refusal level of just like, no, I can't embrace this. I call the dame a dame for 50 years and you're not going to get me to call her anything else but a dame. Yeah. And can and, she get me some coffee while she's at it? Yeah. 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 And, and, and those are some of the real conversations that we've had with our clubs. And, you know, part of, part of the thing that we've, we had to have an honest conversation around was like, as we start making some of these changes, we want to bring as many folks along as possible. And we want as many folks to come with us. And we also um, are trying to give folks the language to be able to, to address these ignorances or blind spots in a healthy way. Cause I think right. there's a lot of folks that just don't know what they don't know. And so we've figured out ways to set up spaces where folks can ask questions, come from a space of wondering, feel inclusive. And we also know that there will probably come a time where if you want to stick to some of these ideologies or places that can be harmful, then we need to really see, can this be the best place for you to exist? Right. And I guess it all degrees on what it is. Yeah. So I, I think there's a lot of, I mean, and, and as of one of the oldest and largest civics organizations that's even willing to put this out there is interesting. I mean, I, I, I haven't, please, you were going to say, well, well, let me, let me say this too. Cause I want to make sure folks are not like cancel culture. Let me call folks. Right. <laughs> I call, calm down. Folks. I'm not saying that. Right. I, I, I think at the end of the day, Rotary at its core and us all as Rotarians come from a place of wanting to serve others. And if we truly believe that we are connected and, and our humanities, Desmond Tutu talks about our humanities are bound together, then it would say, can someone else's humanity give you at least the moment to say, let me ask a question so I can make sure I understand theirs. And so everything that we're doing, cause we're not trying to click anyone out. Let me be clear, I'm not saying that. We're not trying to say this place right. isn't for you. We're right. just trying to say, how can we make sure that our humanities are seen, validated and heard? And if you need space and time, then you're like, hey, maybe I can't talk to them just right now. I need to go figure this out myself. Okay, like that's cool. We'll help you work through that as well. But I think part of it's just like, that really coming down to is just like, this is just humanity. And this is how can we see each other fully and make sure that we're creating inclusive spaces. And I do think that word inclusive is really important because I think it goes both ways. Yeah. yeah I yeah. want to feel that, you know, it, I want to feel that I can walk into a space as a 20, 30 year old. I want to be able to walk into a road, into a rotary place and feel that I'm inclusive. However, I also want to make sure that that 60, 70, 80 year old Rotarian feels safe enough to say, I don't get it. Right. And I think that's the part right. of the conversation right. that sometimes gets stepped over. Right. That I want to make sure you understand that my needs are met. And I do think one way that Rotary is really going to do a really great job is by saying, let it be safe mm-hmm. for others to say, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. 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 And, and I think, and I think that's, 
how we have to enter as we look at this club and the work that we're trying to do. It's okay not to get it. As a matter of fact, I almost expect a lot of us not to get it. Right. And I think part of it's just saying, regardless of me getting it or not, I want to be committed to the process of seeing others' humanities and walking alongside of them. And to me, I'm like, I'm not here to cancel anybody. I'm not here to make you like a horrible person. But I am here to say there's a better way that we can do this. And at the end of that, we can really figure out our truths, build goodwill and better friendships, and really build equitable clubs, people, and societies that we can eradicate so many other things. And hopefully we can eradicate racism as well. Oh, there you go. And that's when you drop your mic and we say goodbye. And right. (laughs) So then uh, how do you think Rotary? Because we just have a few more minutes here and then I'll let you go back to sunny California. But, uh, you know, what do you think Rotary can do to grow in the future? I mean, is it continuing what we were just talking about, you think, or? You know, you know, because when I when I was last speaking, I think I was doing a, a pets program in Pacific Northwest. And uh, I know I missed you. I would just like to say <laughs> I felt really bad. I was like, oh, damn, I'm actually interviewing him next week. When I looked at the thing, I'm like, OK, I will. <laughs> so I will throw myself publicly under the bus that I missed your beautiful presentation. No but problem. it was sent to me by Beverly. So I have it now. No problem. There'll be more. I, I think, <laughs> um, I think our, our biggest opportunity, especially in North America, because, you know, Rotary International is growing great in other countries, but particularly here yes. in, in the United States, I think young people really have to see it as relevant. And I think part of the work that I'm trying to do is kind of to bridge that generational gap, because for too long, and even when I talk to my own students, when they walk into a Rotary Club meeting, they're like, everyone here is like 60 or 70. And like, like why would I, how would I even exist? Like, why would yeah. I come to this? And I have so nothing I think, in common. With yeah, everybody yeah. at this table, right. Yeah. And, and even if our commonality is service, it seems like just that commonality, we might need a little bit more to make sure that folks actually would want to join it. Like it was hard for me to even want to join. I stayed because of the relationships that I needed. And, right. you know, a reality too, and I'll share this last one, is like one of my challenges with my club is you need three sponsors to get in. So three current Rotarians in a club to sponsor you to get in. And, <laughs> and as a young black male, I love my club, but I needed three white men to join into my club. And I'm like, how many folks have access to that type of, at least particularly for my club, what type of relationships do you need? What circles do you need to run into to have access um, to that? And so I think my club's doing phenomenal work. Chris Citral, David Oates is doing an amazing thing. But I think that intergenerational dialogue, how do we make it relevant to young folks? Like the rotary wheel is everywhere, but young folks don't see it, don't relate to it, don't feel with it. So how do we make it relevant, particularly for a nation that's changing demographically, racially in so many different ways? Um, staying relevant and having young folks really turn into Rotarians sooner uh, needs to be a priority. I agree. I think one of the one of the most challenging facts that I ever heard was that right up there with Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Apple, Nike is our rotary wheel. And then you ask people, like, do they know it? And then they're like, yeah, that's Nike. That's Apple. That's Pepsi. And they're like, well, that's that. That's that wheel. Yeah. yeah. Not. Well, that's the rotary wheel. That's that's that wheel. Well, what is that? Yeah. Well, you know, it's like that's a computer company, that's a shoe company, that's a you know, soda pop company. What is that? And they're like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 It's kind of scary. So it's not relevant. There is no reason for them to show to want to join. Yeah. Yeah. Much so. Uh, so what do you say to somebody that wants to be a Rotarian? What's your elevator pitch? Ooh, my elevator pitch. Okay, let me let me get my sales hat on. No, okay, uh, I know. I was gonna say we've been talking entrepreneurism for the last yeah. hour. We've been talking about how you're gonna. So this is always the traditional last uh-huh. question. Uh-huh. What is your elevator pitch? Somebody has seen your your Polio Plus pin, or they've yeah. seen your your little rotary wheel. I know you don't have a pin on. It's okay. I have an old sweatshirt on, so this is high class. <laughs> that's that's why we're doing audio. I've always said I had I had the wardrobe for radio. Um, so. <laughs> Uh, so if it so you're on the elevator somebody's noticed that wheel you know they're like why the hell do i want to be in rotary i you know i tell them so many ways i say from an international connection from business connections to at the heart of it though it's a heart of service it's people committed to and understanding that our worlds need businesses and different um companies to run to build products and to have employees, but more importantly, we need folks that are service-minded. And I honestly would start with, hey, is there something in the world that you're frustrated about? 
Is there something in the world that you feel like, dang, I wish I could do something about it? Is there something in the world that you think if I just had a few more folks, I could do something with it? Rotary gives you not only a few folks in your local neighborhood, but folks around the world that if you bring folks together, you know, Margaret Mead talks about, uh, never doubt that a small group of citizens can change the world. Those are the folks that do. And so Mm -hmm. I think Rotary is your ability to be directly connected with folks that have the capital, that have the human, that have the human heart, that are also like, let's do something crazy together. To me, Rotary is for dreamers, folks that want to shake things up, folks that see stuff and are like, this doesn't have to be the way it is. And because of that, you can link arms and hands and time and money together with folks to really make a difference that won't just last in your lifetime, but for those to come as well. And that's the second mic drop. So, uh, <laughs> Jordan, thank you so much. I have a new friend. Yes, 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 yes. For life, whatever I can do for you, Glenn, let me know. Glad to be. <laughs> thank you so much for being on the podcast, and uh, and I I am inspired. I mean, I, I, I have a child that's probably as old as you are. So I, I would just like to say that I feel really, you know, I, I actually really like conversations like this because it makes me more aware of my own truth and uh, the world around me. So thank you for sharing a, an hour of your time with me. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Gwen. All right. Brittany, you were correct. Jordan is amazing. And Jordan Harrison, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. It was a really great conversation. And thank you for going off script a little bit and talking everything from projects to futures to race and everything in between. I really, really, truly appreciate it. And for the record, you keep working with Saab and I'll keep driving mine, knowing they're both doing the world a little bit of good. Inside joke. Well, wait a minute. You get it. You listen to the podcast. All right. Let's finish things up, shall we? Get people to go to the podcast. Have them download and subscribe so everybody can find us. If you have somebody as cool as Jordan, I don't know. It's a pretty big request. But if you know somebody that I should interview for the podcast, rotarianpod at gmail.com. And until next week, please wear a mask. Get the shot. And we'll hear you next time on the I'm Rotarian podcast. Have a wonderful week, everybody.